to Daniel City Cash Chicago. Cannabis is more than a hobby. It's a major political issue. Governor J.B. Pritzker ran on legalizing weed in 2018. And while the rollout has been rocky, he counts big weed as a big win heading into this year's election. Our friends at CityCast Houston are envious. They're now facing a highly contested governor's race where the Democratic challenger is openly for legalization and the Republican incumbent, not so much. I sit down with the host of CityCast Houston to talk about the state of weed, and I offer my tips about what to watch for in Texas. It's Tuesday, March 29th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. I am with the host of CityCast Houston, the wonderful Lisa Gray. Lisa, thank you for joining me. Jacoby, I have got so many questions. (laughs) Hopefully I got the answers for you. (laughs) Texas is sort of inching toward legalizing marijuana. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to happen until maybe 2023, the next legislative session. But one of our candidates for governor, Beto O'Rourke, is absolutely down with legalization and... The incumbent, the guy who's most likely to win, Greg Abbott, is saying, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it maybe is a good idea. We could think about it. So what I want to know is what would that look like? When I left to go to school for undergrad in like 2009, mm-hmm. there was no weed. There was no medical weed. There was no recreational weed. It was all still on the black market. But when I got back in 2015, late 2015, there were medical dispensaries in certain parts of the city. Uh, Things were a little more exciting. And all of a sudden there were efforts to decriminalize, you know, so, so where's Texas in that process? It's patchy. So in the big cities, um, it's mostly decriminalized, like in Harris County, you can Mm -hmm. up to four ounces, the DA might haul you in and slap your wrists on a summons, but you're not going to get any jail time. Got it. But it's different from city to city, from county to county. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was similar in Illinois for a while. And then Governor Rauner, uh, the Republican governor back in 2016, uh, started to decriminalize small possession around the state. But he was still on that, you know, I don't think it's time to legalized recreational weed and governor jb pritzker the billionaire who was opposing him was very much you know that was one of his big things we're going to legalize weed but here it felt like that was actually a topic that could move the needle on the election one way or the other so governor pritzker won the 2018 election he signs recreational weed in about june 2019 that goes into effect january 2020 is that where texas is between abbott and o'rourke is weed big enough to move this election in your opinion so the last poll data i saw um was a University of Houston, Texas Southern University poll that showed that two-thirds of likely voters support legalizing weed for recreational use, which that seems like something that could move the needle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Texans are for it. Now, whether the Texas legislature goes for it, that's a separate issue, but it seems like this might be one of the few good things that could come out of the Texas legislature meeting in 2023. Mm Mm-hmm. For Illinois, it's here. It drove our election. Uh, How likely is this to to happen in Texas? I think it's pretty likely. Um, Even the incumbent who is likely to win, Governor Greg Abbott, 
is inching toward it and public opinion is leading the way. So, you know, we might get beaten by some sort of federal move, but I think even if not, it will happen in Texas. I just want it to happen well. What do you want we in Texas to look like? I am going to vote for Beto O'Rourke for all kinds of reasons, you know, not just because he's being more vocal about supporting weed, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it just makes no sense to me that it's not legal. You know, I mean, it's Texas. We can buy AK-47s. Why can we not buy a blunt? I mean, this is just nutty. That is literally the, we can buy AK-47s. Why can't we buy blunts? That's, that's. That's Texas. That's Texas. I, my, my G, I'm like, that's that's Texas. So you also talked about the local level. How does Houston differ from other counties or other cities in Texas right now? Is it particularly progressive, particularly leading the movement? Austin is, I think they're a little further out there, a little more vocal. Um, but Houston has been, we decriminalized for I think five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're out, you know, we are a big diverse city. And <laughs> frankly, we just got too many people in our jails. So yeah. part of the movement was really, you know, the thing that moves Texas to save money. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. We're not making the streets safer. But, you know, marijuana is here. It's all over the place. It is. Might as well, you know, make the market better and tax the stuff. Mm-hmm. So. And if you can make it taste good, I'm there. In Illinois, a lot of the the talk because we were the we're the only state to pass recreational weed through the legislation. So much of the hype was about it being social equity, being the most socially conscious piece of cannabis legislation. And Oh, Jacoby, you know in Texas we ain't doing that. <laughs> Okay, but what does that even look like? Let me mm-hmm. imagine it. Yeah, so so in Illinois, there were a few things that we kind of focused on to say there was social equity. One was record expungement. For a while, the bill was going to just automatically wipe out certain um, you know, things on people's records related to weed. So let me just back up because Go I've got to get my little Texas brain around all of this, okay? <laughs> so the idea is that we've decided now that it shouldn't have been a crime that selling weed was putting people in jail who did not need to be in jail or in prison. And yeah. so now we're going to wipe all of that away. Your sins are forgiven. In fact, they were not ever sins. Sorry about that. That's what they said. You know, there yeah. was a, at least the rhetoric was that the war on drugs largely harmed black and brown communities. Prohibition drove right. the black market and is largely responsible for a, the wave of mass incarceration. And so, for our governors and legislators to actually be talking about that, it was very clear that the bill was going to have to respond. While it didn't meet what many folks, including myself, wanted in terms of like automatic expungement, it gave people a route to get their records expunged. It gave people who are incarcerated, you know, over the next, uh, I believe, five years, the opportunity to uh, contest charges that they were currently serving on. Um, it also talked about giving people a route into 
the legal cannabis market. And so in order to get a uh, dispensary, you had to meet certain social equity criteria. Uh, you had to either have been from a community that was largely impacted um, by the war on drugs, a black or brown community. You needed to have been incarcerated or have had a family member incarcerated. Um, you know, there were certain uh, veteran status that you could reach. And so they would kind of pile all of this into a lottery system and not anybody could just get a dispensary. Only so many licenses were given out. So you had so many people competing. So did you get bonus points if you were in those categories? How does that work? Basically, like those you get categories. more tickets in the lottery? Yeah, yeah. that those okay. counted for more points and gave you a better opportunity of having yourself selected. Theoretically speaking, it didn't really go down like that. Uh -oh. uh, and in both at the city and state level, the people who ended up coming out on top more times than likely were well-connected white dudes. That sounds kind of familiar. Mm -hmm. So like in Houston and Harris County, we might try to do some sort of social equity piece mm -hmm. toward giving those licenses. So what should we be watching for if we don't want it to be all the white dudes moving in. In fact, you know, are we going to get big weed coming from places like Chicago? Is it? <laughs> We're late to this game. I mean, it's I, I want my local entrepreneurs. I want that tax money to stay here. It, it, it starts to look at, well, how does the legislation impact not only people who can open dispensaries, but the people who can open craft grow shops, the people who can open farms. What and, a, okay, a craft grow shop? Mm -hmm. You know, sort this of. This sounds like the most precious thing ever. Is it I like think it's kind of like a brewery. Where, like, yeah, like Where a the, microbrewery. Yeah, beer. they make beer and then <laughs> some people sell it at farmer's markets. Some people uh -huh. sell it in-house. So some of the things you got to watch out for is who are you having run your lottery system or who are you saying gets access to these licenses? Um, in our social equity there was this workaround where even if you met none of those criteria, you could partner with somebody who did. Minority subcontractor thing. Exactly. Okay. We do right. that in other things. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm, How'd right. that work? And, uh -huh. you know, so people were even reaching out to me at that time. You know, hey, are you interested in cannabis? Our company has, you know, opportunities <laughs> for people to get into the licensing market. Uh, and I mean, all I did was attend some like some edible like little conventions and you know, but these venture capitalists were thirsty. <laughs> Anybody they thought had connections, they would reach out, try to get you, say you own 51% after three years, buy you out, kick you out. We talked to this uh, organizer, J.R. Fleming. He talked about just how difficult it was, despite meeting all of the social equity components, actually having the capital, having run businesses, the know-how. He said that this application process was unlike anything he had ever seen in his life. Overwhelming. Oh, it's a strenuous one. I, I tell people it's not for the faint of heart. And uh, as I was listening to him, what it took to run the business, I was just like in awe, right? Like, wow, wow. It was meant to sort of weed people out and break people down. And again, the people who were most advantaged to get through on that system were, were the well-connected. It's so hard to get a license that you know, the, the criminal background checks, the way your record needs to be clean, the way you have to have prove your finances and where's all your money coming from. And do you have the ability to, you know, you got to send mock ups. What's your dispensary going to look like? Do you even have spaces or, or real estate opportunity in the city where you could put this dispensary? And so they're asking you to bring so much to the table that if you just got capital is not enough. If you wow. just got ideas is not enough. Everybody loves the social equity components. Did they meet the, you know, the rigor we wanted them to go to? No.
Um, have they been carried out in a way that is actually equitable? No. But legislators immediately went back and have tried to retool it. So what happened to like the neighborhood guys who'd been selling pot? Is your neighborhood guy still working? Oh, yeah. They're still getting money. Actually, yeah. it's had a, a impact on the neighborhood guys in a way that has been uh, very entrepreneurial. Let's say that. Oh, OK. Like, like they've responded to it while keeping prices, you know, mm -hmm. relatively reasonable, uh, but, right. but stepped up to the challenge of like competing with big market dispensaries more people are offering delivery or offering referrals or packages <laughs> people are off you got some people they've really turned into uh like kind of local influencers with it they've turned can into cannabis education and how can i how can i make what i'm doing look more professional so you have more bakers more people doing infusions more people throwing parties and sipping paints become have become smoking paints if you were just like oh i'm you know i have weed for sale come to me people don't people is like no nah, i'm being wined and dine now deals <laughs> and, and free joints and connections and free sample like it's people have had to step the game up for sure all right i have just a personal question. What is the deal with edibles, Jacoby? They taste mm -hmm. awful. Have you guys figured out how to make that? Oh, we have. Not we, bad. We have figured it out. Me and my homie, uh, uh -huh. a homie of mine, we were doing these sort of upscale infusions to, to again, kind of bring yeah. just, just a, a cooler look to it. And we were doing like grilled lamb chops. We were doing oh, jalapeno cornbread pancakes with a sweet potato hash topped with like a maple piece of pork belly. We were doing oh, multicolored cauliflower with a, a cannabis olive oil. Uh, edibles were dominated so long by just like, you know, people aren't really experimenting with this. It's real easy to just throw some cannabis in some butter, put it in a cheesecloth and then put it in. But people have gotten so much more experimental. Uh, and so, so the education to make edibles not taste like ass um, has really given us such a like beautiful range in Chicago. You, whatever okay. you want, okay. you can get. And does it taste all right? It tastes absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right so looking into the future what do you think is going to happen in chicago where do y'all go in a few years that's a good question my hope is that they open it up for more competition that you know right now they i believe they've taken out the caps on how many dispensaries can operate in certain places uh, but it's just really hard for black and brown folks to get into the market um there was uh, some sisters behind a proposed dispensary over in one of our neighborhoods on the west side, Wicker Park. And, you know, it's just taken them so long to get the approval and to move through the lawsuits, you know, to get the licenses that they need. And so I just want to see the process get more streamlined, get easier. And, and, and let's hold folks accountable. You, you know, you said this was going to be the most equitable piece of legislation in the country. Let's let's see that, you know, become true. You know, there are still more arrests for black folks on cannabis charges in Chicago. And so they got to clear that out their system. So, yeah, I just wanted to get better and cheaper. The host of CityCast Houston, Lisa Gray. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago to talk cannabis from Houston to the shy. Oh, this was so fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The city council officially confirmed Nicole Lee as the new alder person for the 11th Ward. Nicole grew up in Chinatown and graduated from Whitney Young. Lee is also the first person of Chinese descent and the first Asian-American woman in city council. It's been one year since 13-year-old Adam Toledo was shot and killed by Chicago police in Little Village. In our newsletter, Sydney Madden writes about how artists have memorialized the teen. You can read it at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter. And some good news to get you through. The Chicago Trans Visibility Pageant will be held this Thursday at the Karen Center for Arts in Austin. The event will also honor Chicago trans leaders. You can check the show notes for tickets. As always, I appreciate you for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. It's a crossover, y'all. I don't know who that is. I think that's my aunt. That's my aunt.